girl, you Thursday, but don't know where your glass go, at. Was Power 108.9 on social media, Instagram, at Power 108.9, and Facebook, at Power 108.9. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's at Power 108.9. Oh. oh, okay. Power 108.9, a station for the people. If you're a content creator, social media socialite, influencer, or simply love to record current events, you need the joystick. The joystick is an essential tool for every type of digital content creator. It holds two or more mobile phones or tablets, allowing users to stream and record hands-free on multiple apps simultaneously. And it's lightweight and portable. For more information or to purchase your joystick today, visit our website at www.joystick.com. My powerful and pristine people, it's your boy E-Money, your favorite engineer. Check it out. If you want to get involved with Power 108.9 as far as partnerships and advertising, if you want to reach our 50,000 plus listeners and viewers per week, please email power1089ads at gmail.com. That's power1089ads at gmail.com. Speak to our marketing director so we can get you set up and ready to go. Let us help you reach your targeted audience and expand your brand. Question, what's the only station where you can get R&B, hip-hop, pop, and talk radio? Time's up. Power 108.9, a station for the people. The opinions and views expressed by this program are those of the program, program host, and guest, and do not necessarily reflect the views of Power 108.9 and its officials. We hope you enjoy. Keep up with Power 108.9 on social media. Instagram. At Power 108.9. And Facebook. At Power 108.9. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's at Power 108.9. Power 108.9, a station for the people. Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Malik McFadden, and did you know that you can listen to Power 108.9 24-7? Just visit the website, power1089.com, or simply say, Alexa, play Power 108.9. Yeah. Let go. Hey. What's up, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to Conscious Intercourse. You are tuned in to Power 108.9. And today, we have a very, very, very interesting show, as we always do, right? Always, always, always. Always, right? But today, it's um, it's pretty special. Um, Yeah. Very heartfelt show today, you know? Very. Definitely. You know, very, very heartfelt um, show today. You know, it's a beautiful day. You know, we have a, a lot of beautiful people listening to us, a lot of conscious people, awoke people. Right. And, uh, you know, Conscious Intercourse is that platform where we 
discuss those things that you know a lot of times are overlooked overseen or are too sensitive to, to bring to the forefront right right these, these issues that impact us on a day-to-day basis or things people just overlook indeed or just are unconscious of Indeed. You know? Exactly, unconscious of, unconscious right? of. Um, but we want to shed some light on some um, serious topics today. Definitely, definitely. That uh, people need to be aware of, and we Correct. have a special guest today to help us do that. Um, Armand, I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce <laughs> him. Yes, we have my man, my, my main man, Charles <laughs> Johnson here. Charles Johnson. <laughs> hey, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on, uh, Ebony? It's just a pleasure. It's a pleasure to be in your presence. Oh, well, thank yeah. you, uh, Armand, brother. Just thank you so much. It's a true honor to be here. Yes. Um, this is something that I've been looking forward to. I'm so excited for what you all are doing with this platform. Yes. Utilizing your gifts collectively to inform and empower our people. Oh. Um, and so, for me to be a part of this is a true blessing for me. Oh, so thank you. I'm excited to jump in. I know that <laughs> we yeah. have, you know, this kindred journey, and we have so much we want to share with the people. Absolutely. And so I am here. Um, let's go. Let's, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's go. Do it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Well, y'all, what we are talking about today is maternal mortality. Yes. Yes. Maternal um, mortality. Um, and if you don't know, and if you are not aware. It plagues us, like, and especially black women, okay? And we want to shed some light on it and give y'all some information about what's going on. Um, if you, I'm sure you all know and heard um, Armand's story, his wife, you know, unfortunately lost her due to maternal mortality, and that's why Charles is joining us today as well, because his wife, unfortunately, as well. And they're going to share their, their story and shed some light and give y'all some information about maternal mortality. Um, I'm on. Yeah, it's, um, you know, Charles, you know, uh, that's how we came together, right, unfortunately, in, in that such a difficult time, you know, at the time when I was literally shocked and just trying to figure out what has just happened, what has just occurred. Um, you heard the news, you heard the word, and uh, and you reached out. You know, you reached out and came to came to my you know to my aid, came to my support. You know, my family and I in such a you know just man painstaking time. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, really, first and foremost, just want to thank you for you know taking your time, taking for your love, your you know your your diligence, you know your your willingness to be there. You know, for me and my family, it, man. man. So I just want at least want to thank you first and foremost just Listen, for being there. It um it's truly my honor, brother. I um, you know, I love you, and there's nothing I can nothing you can do about it. You know what <laughs> I mean? You stuck <laughs> with me. Um, and you know, it is such an unfortunate set of circumstances that brought us together. Mm. But together, we are building um a legacy on behalf of our angels that will last. What I truly believe forever and not only change this environment and this set of circumstances for our community but ultimately impact the world you know what i'm saying and continue to impact this world you know prayerfully long after we're gone right so exactly. that's what yeah. um, i'm honored to be on this journey with you yeah and charles you have a platform on facebook for care for moms sure tell sure. us a little something about that and what got that started yeah so thank you ebony so i um you know, this journey, similar to Armand, I was 
fortunate enough to meet a woman that absolutely changed my life, right? Yeah. We talk about Kira. We're talking about, I mean, <laughs> we're amongst family. I'm going to tell y'all straight. She was way out of my league. I mean, we're talking about a woman <laughs> that, you know, Ooh. spoke five languages. She mm. was a pilot. Wow. You know, she was an entrepreneur. She raced cars. What? She skydove. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, I do this <laughs> for my bucket list. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to, like, literally was a solo jumper, which means she had to complete the 20-plus tandems to be able to jump. So oh, I can, I can oh, brag wow. about Kira all day. But that Aww. being said, um, we welcomed our first son in 2016, and we always talked about how it would be, how cool it would be to have back-to-back boys. And so when we found out we welcomed our second son, Langston, who you met today. Yes. Um, beautiful, beautiful boy, Thank by you the way. so much. Yes. Um, uh, we were just on top of the world, and so... Uh, the painful irony of what happened to us is that as a father, as a husband, you want the best for your children. You want the best for your wife. And so we made the choice to give birth at Cedar sinai Hospital in Los Angeles, California, because we thought this was the place, right? Mm-hmm. We thought this was this fancy hospital in Beverly Hills that had all the fancy, cutting-edge technology. And um, we walked in on April 12th of 2016, who we expected to be the happiest day of our lives, and walked into a nightmare. Mm. Um Langston was born perfectly healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes, like I tease, you know, super handsome, looking just like his dad. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, this was it. Everything we had planned for, everything we had prayed for was here. And um, at the top of the discussion, I won't just bog you down with this, but what happened is shortly after, um, you know, Langston's delivery, we went back to recovery. And as Kira's there resting and Langston's resting, I look down, I see blood coming from her catheter. I bring attention to the doctors and the nurses at Cedars. They come in, they examine her. Um, and we can go back and circle back and talk about some of the details, but in the interest of time, what took place over the next 12 hours was the most egregious, mm. um, incomprehensible set of neglect and negligence um, that you can imagine. Mm. Kira was allowed to bleed internally for more than 10 hours while myself and my family begged and pleaded the staff of Cedar sinai to take action. Our pleas and um, demands and requests fell on deaf ears. And so for me, as I began to put the pieces back together, I got to be honest. And when I walked into that hospital that afternoon, Ebony, the thought that my wife would not ra- walk out to raise her boys had never crossed my mind. And keep on, this is 2016. I thought that what happened to Kira, I thought it was a freak occurrence. I thought she was an anomaly. But what began to happen was that I began to hear these other stories of women who had these traumatic birthing experiences. And I began to hear other stories of women who had made the ultimate sacrifice giving the gift of life. And so at first I was like, hold up. This is really just people's way of trying to connect with me, right? Mm-hmm. And trying exactly. to meet me at my point of grief mm-hmm. and support me. So that's why all these stories are flowing my way. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing story on top of story on top of story. And then I'm thinking, hold on, something's not right. And that's why I began to do the research myself. And I came to understand what you so beautifully and eloquently set up this conversation is that we are in the midst of a maternal mortality crisis right here in the United States that is shameful. Shameful on a domestic scale and shameful globally. Right now in the United States, more women die in childbirth than any other industrialized country in in this world. What's more horrifying is we cannot have a substantive conversation about the uh, maternal mortality crisis without being straightforward about the manner in which it is disproportionately affecting African-American women. Mm-hmm. Not women of color, 
Black women. Black women. Right? Yeah. Yes. Um, and the reality situation is African-American women are dying five times as often as Caucasian women. Mm. Mm. Um, we'll get into some of the causes for that, but so I decided that I had to do something about it. Um, I felt like I owed it to my boys. I felt like I owed it to Kira, and so I founded... Uh, a nonprofit organization, um, and I really like to refer to it more as a as a as a movement uh, called For Cure for Moms, okay. in honor of Kira, um, but not only in honor of Kira, but every single mother that has made that ultimate sacrifice, giving the gift of life. Every single family that has been dismissed, mm -hmm. that has not been heard, that has not been prioritized. Every single black woman that was brutally mutilated, um, mm -hmm. experimented upon uh, for the sake of research in medicine. And we are on a mission not to improve birth outcomes, Ebony. And as Armand knows, is for us, there is no acceptable rate of maternal mortality. None. Yeah. Right? No, not at all. We um, are on a mission to eradicate this, mm -hmm. right? Yes. And y'all gonna get me going. I'm a chill, no, but please go. right? Y'all yes. gonna get me going, get man. Going. Um, this is what it's about, man. And yes. I, I, what I'll say is this. Um, and bear with me, because my heart is heavy and my heart is of full. Course, because of um, I have so much respect for Armand, and I get a lot of um, pats on the back for the for the work that I do and the walk that I'm on, but. When I think of it as heavy, I think about him. Mm. And I'm facing this, you know, and I'm responsible for the lives of two precious souls. This brother has a tribe under his roof. You yes, understand me? And he does it with pride. And he does it with his chin up and his chest out um, in a manner that's inspirational. Um, mm. And, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to recognize that and we have to uplift him around that. And so... What I was saying, though, and what I want to just pause and, and, and kind of allow y'all to steer this conversation is that I want to be clear when we talk about this crisis and we talk about the manner in which we're intentional about going about it, I have no desire for sustainability of this work or this organization. Mm. So people are like, well, what do you mean? Because people, when you talk about nonprofit, they're all like, well, how do you sustain? What I mean by that is Ebony... I don't want to be marching with ribbons 20 years no. down the road it's like Susan exactly. no, G. Roman. You understand me? Yeah. Yes. We are on a mission to end this Correct. within three to five years. Eradicate it. Eradicate it, right? So increasing. that we can go on and fix something else. Yes. Correct. Right? That we can utilize our gifts and our talents and our bandwidth and our, our energy, energy and our resources yeah. to do other things. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and that's what we're here to do. And we're unapologetic mm -hmm. about it. And so when we talk about alignment, when we talk about partnership, when we talk about when my knees hit the floor, the first step that I take every single day is in the direction of radical disruption. Mm -hmm. And if you're not about that life, I'm not the person in the partner for you. That's right. Period. That's right. Very well said. Very well said and understood. Very yeah, man. Well said so, understood. so powerful, man, just the, the energy and the intensity you bring Thank to this you, conversation. Man. Because, yeah. you know, there's, for me personally, you know, I was aware of the whole Serena situation, right? You know, Yolanda was a doula, yes, know, yes. Assault, and a, you know, traditional midwife. You know, she worked in the community where she, you know, supported mothers into mm -hmm. more of a traditional birth, yes. you know, natural birth outside of the hospitals, right? So none of her patients ever passed away, right? <laughs> I don't remember her ever telling me of any circumstances mm -hmm. where she lost a mom, mm. right? You know, she would come home and tell me, you know, horrific stories about births, but none of them ever resulted in 
Death. mortality, you know, demise. Yeah. So for me, I was a little oblivious to it because I saw what I heard about Serena Williams and her, her scare. And, um, you know, I, I really wasn't aware, you know, of course, you know, we've heard stories in the Bible or in history books about, mm -hmm. you know, mothers dying in childbirth. Yeah. But it wasn't until I actually experienced it, right? When I actually sat there and watched my wife, you know, to the best. Actually, we, you know, we went to, like you, in a similar manner, we found the best doctor in the city yep. when it came to, you know, childbirth, right? He, yeah. You know, he's credential-wise, he's, you know, the best, right? Yolanda worked with him as an on-call doula in his practice. Like, yeah. they had a relationship. Like, we had the guy, like, yo, we're good, you know? We're you had Everything, everything going everything. for you for exactly mm -hmm. everything you know he was prenatal visits you know she was having twins you know he's you know like i said credentials out the wazoo yeah. you know the mm -hmm. best natural holistic doctor in the city and to sit there and it's kind of similar to you and observe her deteriorate over a three-day period and just observe the negligence mm -hmm. the lack of you know initiative you know, with doctors making empty promises, you know, and and sitting there and just watching this, you know, and for me it was three days of watching her bleed to death, literally sitting there watching her, you know, for three excruciating days, moment by moment, and just watching them just, like, look over her. Like, she just was... She was invisible. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's so, man, it's so infuriating, you know, in, as, I, as I think, of, you know, think process it back and, and and revisit you know that experience so it's 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 just asinine that like you said the most industrial industrialized country on this planet that our women our sisters are losing their life at such a high rate this is unacceptable like like you said there's <laughs> there's no longevity in this work this has to stop immediately yeah like no fathers, no mother, no children should have to return home from the hospital without their mother, without their, you know, their wife. And um and it's just it's it's yeah, it's it's uh, there's not even words, right? I I'm lost of words a lot of times when I even, you know, revisit this conversation. So I appreciate, you know, all the work that you are out there doing, you know, to bring the light, to bring mm -hmm. the awareness. Thank you, to brother. This issue. I appreciate it, man. You know, you're, you know, you're, uh, every time I see you, you're, you're unapologetically, you know, full speed ahead. And whether it's, you know, your work with the government, you know, with, you know, advocacy at mm -hmm. the highest level of government. As, you, as a matter of fact, I want to kind of get you, for you to get into that. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about what you've done as far as advocacy <sighs> at the highest level of government. Yeah, so, um, you know, when I first started doing this, um, the big challenge was awareness. Correct. And the thing that was shocking for me when I discovered this and I had this epiphany that, yo, this is happening and that my wife wasn't just an anomaly, I was shocked by two things, Armand. I was shocked that, one, it was happening, yes. and two, that it seemed like nobody was talking about how was this America's dirty little secret. Right. Exactly, right. And so the first thing was awareness, and I felt like I had to tell everybody like, you know, like the little fable, right? The sky is falling. Mm -hmm. The sky is falling because nobody was aware, yes. right? right? But so what happened quickly is after we began to raise awareness, mm -hmm. the subsequent byproduct was that women were horrified. 
Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I'm going to, die. I could die in childbirth. I could lose my life. And women were telling me, oh my gosh, I heard your wife's story. Yes. I don't even want to have children anymore. Oh, wow. Wow. Or I've had children and I don't want to go through that again because I wasn't aware. And so for me, that was heartbreaking. Yes. Because I felt like I was robbing women and families of this joy. Mm. And that was a tough burden. So I had to switch my orientation of my advocacy work yeah. from raising awareness and it wasn't enough to just tell people that the sky was falling. What am I doing to hold it up? Mm. And so I pivoted towards how can I make institutional level change? And so I began to research policies and that were being set forth. And I, in 2017, I found there was this one piece of in the entire, this is a, this is a a huge problem. Mm -hmm. There was only one bill in all of Congress that was taught, that was speaking. This was called the preventing maternal death act. And so Mm -hmm. I began to, write letters, make phone calls, um, and fly to D.C. on my own dime and just take meetings with anybody that would talk to me. Wow. Not having a clue how to pass a bill, not having a clue mm. how to get this, not knowing about committees of jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. I was just like on my John Q shit, right? I was just <laughs> out here. like I was stalking people in the hall. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. you know, and I began to make progress. And so I won't give you all my war stories from D.C., but in 2018, we passed the first ever piece of federal legislation to prevent women from dying in childbirth. It's called the Preventing Maternal Death Act. Mm -hmm. And what that piece of legislation did is it allowed the CDC to provide funding to all 50 states to create what are called maternal mortality review committees. And that's a very interesting point that about, I want to circle back to that part of the conversation you and I had a couple of weeks ago about this, Armand. Please don't let me forget that. Yes, Because it's it's informed and it is shaped the way that I move forward because I'm still learning and I'm still trying to improve myself. But so this piece of legislation created funding for all 50 states to create what are called maternal mortality review committees. So what mm-hmm. happens is anywhere in the United States if a woman dies from childbirth or childbirth-related complications within a minute to a year mm-hmm. after delivering that baby, there is a committee that investigates all of the factors surrounding her demise. Mm. Was this her first birth? Was this her eighth? Was this a natural birth? Was it a cesarean? Did she have public insurance? Did she have private insurance? Did she mm-hmm. have hypertension? And they collect that data, mm-hmm. right? So one of the challenges we have is we had all this data, but nobody was collecting it, right? It was funky. Oh, so wow. that was, it was an important first step because of the first time that our country had recognized that this was a crisis and invested resources towards doing something about it. Mm-hmm. It was an important first step, but it was just a first step. Exactly. And so I was like, all right, cool. Right. What are we going to do next? Right. So <laughs> in 2021, I laugh about it because I think about how difficult it was to get that done. Um, I was like, all right, we got it done. Now we're going to go back. Now let me say this. Let me take a step back. The be- One of the beautiful things about getting that done is you got to keep in mind, this is 2017, so this is the midst of President Trump's first First term. It's right. the, the p- most politically divisive time in our lifetime, right? Exactly. And everybody told me two things, right? And Armand knows this. People told me two things. I mean, they told me, look, one, um, this will never get done because politics is too divisive. And they told me that women's health issues just aren't a <laughs> priority. Or black women's health issues. Oh, that's not go there, right? So they yeah. talk about and And so... I was, so I kept on doing it, kept on pushing, we got it done. So we went, so I got that done, like I said, and I was like, let's go back with something, let's, let's, let's go back, let's go back with something yeah. bold, let's go back something that's going to shake it up. So in 2021, <laughs> I laugh about it, um, I went back to Congress with a comprehensive package of bills, um, not one, not two, not five, but 13 different pieces of legislation. Wow. wow. And dropped them and, and introduced them all in Congress simultaneously, wow. called the Momnibus. 
Wow. Right. Making up a three billion dollar federal investment in maternal in black maternal mortality. Wow. Right. And wow. I have to make this caveat for the listeners, right? Um, mm-hmm. And not to say that our listeners will ask, but somebody might ask you if you are listening. Mm-hmm. If somebody ever asks you, I want y'all to tune in. Why we need legislation or why we need policy specifically for black women? Mm-hmm. The simple answer is is because when we fix it for black women, we fix it for, for everybody. Everyone. Exactly. Right. Yes. Right. And so this, and you can go to, um, you can research the Momnibus. You can go to fourcareformoms.com. But this has pieces of legislation that address social determinants to health. Right. What good wow. is having you know, healthcare coverage if you don't even have the transportation to get there? Mm. Exactly. Or if you have food insecurity, mm. what good is having healthcare coverage if you have if you're in Flint, Michigan, you don't even have clean water, mm. exactly. right? Yes. Um, the mm-hmm. issues, uh, climate change affecting moms. We have a bill that uh, addresses the issues increase, um, the specific issues affecting incarcerated mothers because as recently as 2020, we had women in ICE detention facilities right here in Georgia getting forced hysterectomies, oh, sterilized, what? right? California, 2019, wow. the same thing, right? Not on my watch. Wow. wow. Um, we have bills that um, address, you know, you know, the, that are studying the impacts of COVID vaccines on mothers, things mm-hmm. that aren't wow. being told and how they're disproportionately affecting all mm-hmm. this. And there's, there's a bunch of different pieces of legislation. One is that we are going to expand Medicaid and Medicare for all mothers in this country from six weeks to a year postpartum for everybody. Because what we're seeing is not only that provide the physical, but it'll also provide mental health services for you. Because when we talk about postpartum depression, we talk about cardiomyopathy, and we talk about these things that that are being hypertension. And what's happening is that after six weeks, these mothers are out here and they don't, they're paying out of their pocket. Right. Yes. Um, right. So, and, and also within that package of bills is the Kira Johnson Act, which is named for Kira. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does a lot of cool things that we're really proud of, including uh, creating social accountability mechanisms for providers. Okay. Um, and it's also going to provide funding uh, to diversify the perinatal workforce, make sure that, that black and brown women have pass mm. to midwifery, that have Correct. pass to doula care. It's also going to provide funding specifically for black women-owned and led community-based organizations. So these wow. are the sisters in the community that are doulas that are catching the babies. Wow. Exactly. These are the black women that run the WIC programs that traditionally have not had access to federal funding. For the first time in history, they're going to have it. Um, wow, wow, wow. You know, and it's so, it's, it's so, it's so, it's, it's, it's a lot of cool stuff, and I won't bog down the time with my litany of No, but that is awesome. Yeah, and so, thank you. As a black woman, you. let me say thank you. No, it's my honor. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And we are going to break and we will be right back. Power 108.9 on social media. How can I find you? Instagram. At Power 108.9. And Facebook. At Power 108.9. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the exact same thing. It's at Power 108.9. Oh. Oh, okay. 
Yo, it's Michael McFadden of Power 108.9, and I want to ask you a question. Are you looking for a new house? If so, you need to holler at our guy, the mortgage guy, Alvin Jameson. AlvinJameson.com. Yeah, Alvin liked the chipmunk, and Jameson liked that fine whiskey. Not only can he help you on the purchase of that new home, he can also assist you on that refinance as well. So whether it's FHA, conventional, and of course that VA home loan that you're sitting on right now, yo, call Alvin Jameson. 404-587-9033. Once again, 404-587-9033. Trust the guy we trust here at Power 108.9. Alvin Jameson. AlvinJameson.com or just call him 404-587-9033. And of course, tell him you heard it right here on Power 108.9. Let's go. Hey, police are on the hunt for a woman who posed as a witch. Okay. She scammed 10 people out of, ask me how much money. How much? $100,000. $10,000. For readings and love spells down in Florida. Yeah, Naples police said that they have uh, 10 victims come forward with claims that they were uh, deprived of large amounts of money. What's her name? According to a report on Monday. They don't say her name. It just say witch. And it got in their bold letters, too. They do. (laughs) You copied and pasted it. So if if you... (laughs) No, I wrote that. So if you down in Naples somewhere, you see a lady ride a broom. <laughs> <laughs> call, Is there call your local police. Power 108.9, a station for the people. What's going on, y'all? This is Tony Hightower, and you are listening to Power 108.9. Intentional, you know. Wow, wow, wow. And we're back, y'all. We're back, we're back with... Uh, Conscious intercourse, and we have our guests. And you know, right before, well, right when we went off break, went on break, I called him a superhero. Oh, <laughs> the way he's advocating for our black women, y'all, it's um, it's an amazing thing, and it's an amazing thing to see. I just love to see when black men step up that way. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, you know. It's you. very yes. very inspiring, you know. And for me, I don't think you understand how much. You being there helped me through the darkest times, right? Um, because you know, to know that I had a brother that had been, that had experienced what I've experienced and actually survived it, and is mm. now advocating, you know, at the highest level of government, like gave me so much courage, so much, you know, foresight. You know, <laughs> it was times where I was literally, you know. Um, suicidal mm, you know man. and because it, it was it was so hard you know just making it through the night thinking about what had just occurred i mean just even though when i re, you know reflect on the moment where i had to tell my older children that their mom was no longer coming home you know um mm. be able to feel you know their energy their pain you know their tears you know their their heartache their anger their their disbelief you know, it's 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 one thing to to deal with my own, you know, anguish and pain, right. but it's like I felt each one of theirs individually. Right. So right. it was so many times in the midst, middle of the night where I'm just up, like crying, just asking for questions, figuring out like, what did I do to deserve this? You know, but then I would think of you, you know, and and be like, you know, Charles made it through. You know, he he did it. You know, he's three, you know, four years removed from that experience. I'll be okay. I can make it. You know, it's, it's, 
it was such a just man dark time and it helped me kept me from actually you know hurting myself oh god you know because yeah it, it was i was there you know i remember just you know taking away taking time away from the family and and, and being in the city actually one night i called you oh, yeah, I, was like, Charles, yeah. like, <laughs> I was like charles i'm like bro like i need some cbd i need like something like like I need some CBD. I need I need something, man. I need. Yeah. Remember, I called you. I couldn't sleep. I was. I remember. I was in the room I getting remember. a massage. I was like, "Yo, bring me some gummies." I, was like, I need. <laughs> I need something. Like literally, yo. Yeah. That, you don't. You don't think you don't understand that night when you came out, man. That night and, and just and, and, and built with me for that moment, you know. Yeah. And, and brought me those gummies. I was like, man, this brother actually cared for me, man. Because no, it was, bro. Do, man. Wow. It was, man. It was wow. dark, bro. I couldn't even be in the house because, like. Walking, just walking in the house every day, walking into our bedroom, looking yeah. at our children, like yeah. her essence those was triggers, there. Those triggers, right? Those triggers. It's like I couldn't even, I had to, you know, spend the night, get a hotel room for a couple of days here and there. Yeah. Like, just going home was yeah. terrifying, I you know, wow. because the visions of me watching her just lose her life. Like for three straight days, I'm watching her bleed, you know what I'm saying? And it's, but, she, but her spirit, and we talk about, you know, how they were beasts, you know, like she exactly. was a beast, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Her energy. And even in those moments, she was like, her mom, what's going on? Mm. Why, why are you crying? Like, what's mm. going on with you? Oof. Like, you're gonna, I'm, I'm good. Like, Oof. she's like, show me pictures of the babies, you know? Uh, where's, uh. Where's, where's, the, where's the breast pump, right? She's like, I want to I want to pump milk for the babies. I want, I'm, are they eating? Like, who's watching them? Who's, you know, I'm like, in, in, in this, all this entire time, I'm I'm going in on the doctor. She's like, calm down. Like I'm in there, like going in, like you know, like do I need to take her to a different hospital? Do we need to airlift her? Like, yo, this is my what we gotta do. How are we gonna stop this? And, she, and the, the whole time she's like, Armand, relax. She's like, calm down. You know, the whole time I'm just like, man. So, ensuing months and then years after that, you know, knowing that you and some of the other brothers that you know we connected with that yeah. have that have gone through this that fellowship you know that that support mm -hmm. was immense for me right so i just want to reiterate man how grateful i was because i don't know what i would i don't know if i would have made it this far without you guys man man i love you bro like wow. man wow man um you know i think uh, man, and so <clears throat> go ahead please yeah. the crazy thing about it is like the hospital nobody ever called to be like, yo, are you okay? Are the children okay? Right? Right. No one from any governmental agency, no one from whatever ever reached out to be like, yo, what do you need? You know? Yeah. It's mind blowing. Like, how's your mental health? Like, are you okay? Like, right. how you just sit here and watch your wife die for three straight days in the hospital? Like, wow. Nobody checking up on me? Like, checking on the children? Like, how's that even possible? How do we live how in the most advanced? You know, everybody in the hospital, the nurses, the doctors, knew Crazy. what had just occurred. No one said anything to anybody. Be like, man, yeah, I need to go check on that man. You need to go check on his family. Like, nobody. They covering their ass anything. That's what I'm saying, exactly. right? They're covering that's, they what they're that's, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it's like you don't want to say it, even though I said it. It seems intentional. Mm. Deliberate. So, so, so. Whew. All right, so, Evan, you, you, you tapped into something, I mean. Right? So, you know, what is what is Hove say? Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. <laughs> Let me hit y'all with some hard truths. Um, we talked about these these disparities, right? Right. Um, I want people to understand that 
the data also shows us that more than 60% of these deaths that are occurring mm -hmm. are deemed preventable. Mm -hmm. Wow. So these are mothers that should be there at the first day of kindergarten, mm -hmm. right? That should be cheering at soccer games. They should be dancing at weddings. They should have the opportunity to be grandmothers. So that's first of all. Yes. We also have to understand that there's also data that shows people, let me, let me take it out. We talk about race. Um, please understand that there is nothing wrong with you because you're a black woman. Absolutely. Right? Right. People will have you believe that these women are dying because they are mm -hmm. black and there's something innately wrong with them exactly. that is leading to that. The reality of the situation is that race is a social construct, not a biological condition. Right. Mm. Right? Right. And the reality of the situation is there are also studies that show, Ebony, that black women, mm -hmm. hear me now, audience, hear me, black women like Yolanda, like mm -hmm. Kira, mm -hmm. with graduate and postgraduate degrees mm -hmm. are dying from childbirth at rates higher than white women living below the poverty line. Wow. Right? Wow. So when Yolanda walked into that hospital that day, when Kira walked into that hospital that day, when Amber walked into that hospital that day, mm -hmm. right? right? These mothers that were losing, the greatest risk factor that they faced was racism. racism. Wow. Not implicit bias. Right. Racism. Right. And there are a lot of factors that contribute to this, but we, we have to call out and we have to speak truth to power. And we have to be intentional about disrupting institutions that weren't designed for us. And I wanted mm -hmm. to go back and circle back to something Norman said that was so powerful and it just made me, it took me to a time and place. When Kira was at her most vulnerable mm -hmm. and she was suffering and she was in immense pain, you know what she kept on saying to me, much like what Yolanda was saying? Yeah. Baby, please stay calm. Mm. Stay calm. Please stay calm. Because she knew that her concern was for me as a black man because she knew in that environment, in that space, mm. I didn't have the latitude mm -hmm. to turn up. I didn't have mm. the latitude to turn over the table mm -hmm. or grab the doctor by the collar. Mm -hmm. Or say, I'm going to burn this place to the ground. Right? Yeah. Like a white husband would. Yeah. Right? But exactly. you wanted to. Right? And Whew. so to that end, and, but her concern was for me. Mm -hmm. And what she said to me, because she knew that if I lost my temper, if I raised my voice, if I did any of those things, exactly. I go immediately from a concerned father and husband Correct. to a threat. Right. Exactly. And then I would be removed from that situation right. or worse. And as I play this back, because there's not a day that goes past that I don't think, what is it that I should have, would have, could have done differently? But the only scenario that I can perceive that is worse than what happened to Kira would have been had I lost my goal. Because part of right. me was like, damn, if I had just, I might exactly. feel better if I fucked somebody up. Straight up. Real. I've never said that out of my mouth. But, but she I needed might, you to be right there she needed mm -hmm. to be by there. her side. She needed to be an advocate, right? But had yeah. I done that, the only conceivable scenario is that had I lost my temper, had I lost control, and I've been removed from the situation, and then she still passed away. Yeah. I We talk about hurting myself. There's yeah. nothing yeah. like, and I wasn't there, because I talk about fear, because I feel like I failed, yeah. right? But yeah. that would have been failure on another level. You would have, yeah. Um, no. And I, I just I just have to send a shout out to, as you mentioned, man, this um, just kind of like this informal fraternity that we developed of brothers yeah. who are all, from all walks of life, all over the country, um, that support each other, man. And it just literally kind of started by me just reaching out and yeah. just 
trying to listen and figure out how I could support. And if it's and, and that's what we do. And I'm proud of our mom because he does, and I'm proud of some of the other brothers because they do that. They take the initiative to reach out. Um, and I'm grateful for these brothers, mm-hmm. but I'm tired of adding men to the group chat. I know. I'm tired yeah, of it, of man. Of course. I'm crazy, of man. It. Of course. I'm sick of the condolences. I'm sick of having to cry on the phone at um, 3 a.m. with these with these men. There's nothing. Yeah. Um, Armand said something that just touched my spirit so deeply, and he talked about having to deliver the news to his children that yeah. their mother wasn't coming home. Yeah. There is nothing harder than that. There's nothing harder than telling, um, doesn't matter how old these babies are, that their mother is not coming home and having to deliver that news. There's nothing like that. Yes. Um, And these are the things that drive me. And, um, you know, I say all the time, you know, being in this space, you know, I'm a cinephile, I love movies. I relate to the villain, right? Yeah. I understand yeah. what sometimes drives these people to the point yeah. where they are, um, where there's so much pain that they, and they have tried to color within the lines and they've yeah. tried to play by the rules and they trusted the process and the process failed them. Yes. Right? And so, um, but those are the things that drive me. I, I don't want to speak on Armand's behalf, but those are the things that, keep me going is that there's if any of this prevents another father from having to have the conversations with his children that I've had to have with mine with Armand has had to have with his then all of it's worth it absolutely absolutely well you mentioned um a support line could you um let us know what that support line is for the fathers who are yeah, listening who yeah so there is um you know, really, people can reach out to us um through the website for care for moms they mm-hmm. there's a, there's all the various ways you can fill out your information. Um, you can reach out to us via social media. You can call the number. Okay. And um, we are actually in the process right now of building out infrastructure so that we can serve these families in a greater capacity. Absolutely. Right. That we can have, that we have more hands, that we have more tools, that we have more resources. I'm grateful for the people that have supported the foundation. I'm grateful for the partners. What we see this looking like is um, partners coming to the table to make sure that families don't have to worry about the basic necessities yes. diapers formula childcare, um mental health support legal support when necessary um mm-hmm. and so that's very high on our priority list as a foundation so if people are out there um that are in need definitely reach out okay so you heard him for care for moms fathers if you are listening in for cares for mom get the support you need these brothers are here and they are here to help you so please, please reach out. Wow. Yeah, um, it's such a, you know, such an emotional and, you know, heart-filled conversation. Very much so. Um, but, you know, we talk about the moms, but we then have, you know, the fathers and yeah. the children are left behind to figure out a way to create a life, right? Um, without perhaps, you know, what I'd say the most critical aspect not not to take anything away from the fathers but mom is mom mom is mom bro mom is mom like and you know a lot of times you know i would exchange myself for her you know so i'm like yo in a minute like i'm like god you should have took me instead of her you know because mom is mom you see how our you know our our black women have they hold it down right as far as far as you know nurturing raising the children but then you have these dads that are now left behind having to be mom and dad Right. right 
and you know in a society where there's really no support at all you know especially for men that have experienced these tragedies so then it's like what's for like you know you're providing support and you know creating an infrastructure to be able to support these fathers but and these and these children but it's like there's we can't deny the impact generationally that this crisis is having on the, the black bond. family structure right because these children are impacted for the rest of their lives you know yes whether it's boys or girls and their outlook on life is completely like deviated and and modified and impacted on how they look at the world you know because they they will never have the mom at their wedding right or at their high school graduation right prom right to, you know help them pick out a dress or right to tell their sons that hey you know she's not the right girl for you or Man, you're not ready look. right so it's like how do you what do we do you know as, as a society right because ultimately we can't leave it up to the to them absolutely not you know to to come <laughs> to our rescue right no. yeah but how do we come collectively right as a community as people in these types of circumstances to ensure that these fathers and these children are okay yeah. like, is that even a thing right no so i think that's a, a, a such a profound point armand and i think that just to for lack of a term, re-preach the sermon, right? Like, nothing can replace moms. Mom is mom. Nothing. And I say all the time, it doesn't matter how many teams I coach, it don't matter how over-the-top the birthday parties are, how many times I stand on my head singing Baby Shark, right? It doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't. None of it matters. There's nothing that can fill that void that mom leaves, right? Correct. And yes. you're... And you're you're so right. It, it creates generational ripples in the pond. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, for that matter, it, it it does take a village. And so, um, being able to, and everybody's family dynamics are different. Exactly. Um, you know, I know that you have support from from Yolanda's mother and her family, and that's been whatever. But that's still doesn't fill that gap, right? It doesn't, right? Um, I'm fortunate because I have an amazing team of family and extended family, but it doesn't fill that gap. And so I think that the reality situation is there's things we can do and there are, you know, we can do a better job of fostering community Correct. and rallying and supporting these families and meeting them at their point of needs. But the real, the only way that we fix this, Armand, I'm be straight up with you. I don't want to have to do that. Let's just stop the women from dying so Let's we don't have it. to figure out. Straight you understand up. what I'm saying? Yes. Like, I don't have, the reality of the situation is I'm not ashamed to tell you I don't know and I don't know how we do that. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. know what it is that I can do even if I had a blank check. Mm -hmm. I don't know what programming I could put in place, what investment I could make yes. to replace a black mama or a mama, right. period. period. I can't right. do that. Right. Which that is God's work, that is divine energy, and there's nothing walking the face of this earth that can replace that. Mm -hmm. That's why it must stop. It it's must not stop. optional. Yeah. Because there is, yeah. you know, my mentor used to say, if you have a problem that man or money can fix, you don't have a problem. Hmm. Right? That's the yes. truth. That's the truth. That's and the truth. I don't, we ain't got the tools for that. Yeah. The only way to fix it is to stop these mothers from dying. Stop um, it. And to make sure that they are here 
to have these journeys and to have the full lives and to have the dignified birthing experiences that they deserve. Absolutely. That's how we fix it. We have um, listeners. We have a comment from a listener, um, Jessica. She says, I believe along with racism, they believe we're being dramatic or overreacting Mm, about our pain or discomfort Mm. versus taking us serious like they would if we were women from the Caucasus Mountains. Jessica. Jessica. Um, So I think that's a, I think that's a very, (laughs) I I love the way you framed that. Yeah. Um, But you're spot on. (laughs) And so we have to understand to kind of just touch about, touch on the history, the history of this is we also have to understand that we are being victimized by a system that was never designed for us in the first place. Mm-hmm. Mm. We have to talk about, and I have to interject the names of the mothers of gynecology. Mm-hmm. Um, homework assignment, please Google Dr. J. Marion Sims. For those of you who aren't familiar, the short history lesson is that he is an obstetrician that is credited as being the godfather of, minor, of, of modern um, gynecology. He is revered in obstetrical circles. He had a statue in Central Park until 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, He has about five patents on obstetrical tools. I think probably about three are still used in obstetrical exams today. The dark underbelly of his legacy is all of those awards, all of those accolades, all of those tools and those procedures that he perfected. Mm-hmm. were on enslaved black women. Mm. Wow. Without their con- forcibly without their consent. Mhm. Wait for it though. And without anesthesia. Damn. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Brutal experimentation. Yeah. Repeatedly. Yeah. So we have to speak the name whenever I have the t- opportunity of Anarka, Lucy and Betsy. Mm. Right? Who are the mothers? They call him the godfather, but the truth about the legacy is those are the mothers of gynecology. Wow. To this day, there is a portrait of this man that still hangs in the state of Alabama courthouse. Wow. So, for those of y'all who are interested, you can actually make a pilgrimage down to Montgomery. There's an amazing woman um, who has created a monument to these sisters down there. Um, and I'm going to be working with her to reclaim that space and redefine what that means for our community. But fast forward, still in modern medical textbooks, they teach that African Americans have a higher pain tolerance and thicker skin. <laughs> right? Hmm. There have been studies, no, there have been several studies talked about how African Americans are prescribed painkillers less, mm-hmm. we are denied yep. care. So we have to understand these systems and be intentional about speaking truth to power if we are going to disrupt them, right? Correct. right? Um, and it can be done and it will be done. And I, you know, there's a couple of examples I can speak to, but I wanna make sure that we cover everything that's on y'all's list of stuff <laughs> before I get to this. No, you, we are, yeah. we are. This is, um, yeah, you've covered a lot. Homework, please Google Dr. J. Marion Sims. Yes. Find the picture of him and then tag the show on your social media and we'll repost it. I'll repost it. So, okay. Yeah. Tag yeah. us. Like you said earlier, this is a, a movement, right? Exactly. Um, it's not just work, right? Because this is impacting not just as you know individual families, but collectively yeah. as a race, as a group of people. Right? And it's How increasing. Are, correct, right? Yes. So you know, I remember somebody said to me that you know there's there's a notion now that you know our black women are dying in the delivery room and our black men in the streets, right? It's a systematic, you know, genocidal 
agenda, it seems. Yep. Right? Exactly. Um, so we ultimately have to be aware of what is happening to us, right? So we have to ultimately create our own our own hospitals. Mm-hmm. Our own um There you go. Our own boards of mm-hmm. accreditations, right? Mm-hmm. Our own, you know, accountability mechanisms. Exactly. Right? It's almost like we have to com- collectively come together and create our own Everything. infrastructure. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, and be self-sustainable, you know, yeah. self-sustaining as a people because we can't go to them even though, you know, to to them for for support, for help, for, you know, for whatever it is that right. we're going, we're trying to go to them for. We may c- collectively figure out a way to, because we are part of this society as a yeah. whole, right? So we have to figure out a way to <laughs> maneuver and matriculate in the system. But ultimately, to me, is the more and more I think about this is that, you know, you and I talked about it. Yeah. You know, a home birth, you know, facility, um, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, right? A birthing facility, you know, a black birthing facility here in Georgia, right? Yeah. Um, and those, you know, the the omni the momni bus, right? And all the things that you introduced to Congress. Hopefully, yeah. I know there's um, appropriations with therein to make these type of facilities, mm-hmm. and and but we have to take the lead. Like we have to yes. educate ourselves and understand that there are grants, that there are things that we could access. There are tools, tools, resources, resources sure. that we can access to create our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So like like you said, our outlook should be on how do we eradicate this immediately? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So we have to come to collectively together and tap into the resources and figure out how yep. how do we write grants right partner with grant writers mm-hmm. and partner with you know political you know or holding holding our senators and whoever our you know constituents accountable For sure. to helping us bring forth these environments and these mm-hmm. facilities and these you know these this infrastructures to ensure that this no longer occurs right um, because it seems like there's there's too much power into the hands of these physicians and these hospitals to control and dictate how our women, how our mothers, how our wives are treated during the most precious, right? Yes. Process of life. Absolutely. It's on us to come together and eradicate this immediately. So for me, it's I encourage and urge all of us that this is, as you mentioned, Charles, a national crisis. Indeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Very well said, brother. Thank you, Charles, so much for joining it's us. It's over, here. Ebony. It's <laughs> over, we just getting right? started. I we know. just getting started. It's oh, always man. like that. Right? Y'all gonna have me back. Uh, absolutely. Because oh, okay. right. we, we need to we need to back. spread the word. <laughs> we right, need to cool. get it out there, right? This is, this is a movement. <laughs> yes, it's a movement. Yeah. And we need to we need to gather as much support as possible. Y'all gonna have to pull me out of here with a man. This has been thank you. This has been this has been this has been beautiful. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you all for listening in to Conscious Intercourse. Please, please, please follow for Cure for Moms and anybody listening who can offer any kind of assistance, whatever it is, please call in. Yes, yes, conscious. Thank you all. See you next time. Peace. Peace.